Well, good morning. One more time. Come on, wake up. Good morning. morning. Hey, so glad you guys are here. I really am. Um, You could be doing a whole lot of other things, including sleeping this morning, right? But I am glad you're here. And the reason for that is because your very presence lets those around you know that they're not alone. That there is a God, although you do not know him perfectly and you don't do things perfectly, you're still traveling the same direction. And it's always encouraging to know that we're not alone. And so your presence here uh, just kind of shares that in, in even a silent kind of way. So I am glad you're here. At the very same time, I am rather disappointed that I am here, and I'm going to explain that to you. It's because for a number of years, probably 30, 40 years now, I thought the perfect time for God to return would be on New Year's Eve. I really did. I thought, if I were God, right? If I were God, I'd come back on New Year's Eve catching people do what they do. Uh Uh-huh. Some people uh, just could care less, and they're going to be selfish, and they're going to get in whatever trouble they want to get into, and then kind of clean it up the next day and a half or whatever. Other people, friends and family are important to them, and so they'll spend that time with them and with God. And, and, and then still other people, like myself, uh, could care less and would go to bed at 11 o'clock. That was me. How about that? How many of you that were there with me? Uh, you, You could care less. Yeah, most of you are older like me too, aren't you? But i got to share this with you, the rest of the story. At 11.20, I got back up because my wife's still up, and she's going to watch that stupid ball drop or whatever, okay? And so uh, she's up. I got up. We spent the next hour together. About 12.20, I went ahead and headed for bed and disappointed that the Lord had not returned on New Year's Eve. I just, I just, if I were God, right? I think we all kind of have those moments. I just hope that when he does return, I'm not in an argument with my wife. I'm not traveling 10 miles beyond the speed limit. I'm not doing all, I hope he catches me doing something good. Don't you? Come on. Um, and so for that reason, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. But what that tells me is that God is not finished with saving somebody. Now, if you believe the scriptures, Peter says this, right before the book of Revelation, Peter says, some of you think God's slow, but he's not. He's just willing that none should perish. And there is still someone yet to be saved. You look it up, it's in Peter. And that's why God has not yet returned. Now, I have family, I have friends that I would like to have saved first, don't you? And, and I believe that's why he is still waiting. All right, it hasn't returned yet. So I'll, uh, I'll just kind of ride with that one and uh, let God come back when he wants to, uh, like I'm going to stop him anyway, right? What I want to do the next three weeks, this week and the next two Sundays, is kind of take on an area that I've wanted to do but never really have studied. And that is, why does God refer to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Have you ever thought about it? So that's what we're going to be doing. For today, we're going to take on the overview of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we're going to take a particular look at Abraham this morning. When God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the first time that he does that 
is when Moses has already tried to lead the people out of Egypt and failed. So for the first 40 years of his life, he's in Egypt. The next 40 years of his life, he's in Midian as a shepherd. And near the end of that time, God appears to him in the burning bush. Remember that story? I need to go up and see this thing because a bush is burning. It's not consumed, which is not natural. And he says, I'm going to go up and see what is going on. And so as he goes up and he gets closer to this burning bush, all of a sudden he hears Moses. Hey, I'm sorry. That's as close to God's voice as I can get, okay? Moses. He says it twice. Moses. And then he says, the ground on which you are standing is holy ground. You need to take your shoes off. And he does. He removes his sandals and he bows before God, knowing that he is a holy God and Moses is not. And then God says, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And why does he do that? I think, first of all, because he has spent all that time in Egypt, and it's about 400 years after Abraham has lived. There are all these gods that they used to worship in Egypt, and all these gods in Midian as well. And it's almost like, okay, which God now is appearing to me? And he says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Make no mistake, I'm not one of these other, I am the one and only true God. All right? And so that's what he does, is he identifies himself, separates himself from anyone or anything else that would claim to be God. And then at that point, I'm reminded that through the Old Testament, he's referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then when Jesus is here walking the earth, 2,000 years after Abraham, 2,000 years before us, as Jesus is walking, he says to the nation of Israel, do you remember? God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God said, I am the God of. He didn't say, I was the God of. And Jesus makes the point that God is the God of the living and the dead. I am still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's getting the message across. And after that, we see Peter in the book of Acts. He heals a man who's been crippled, and he says, it's the same God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by which this man is healed. The same God. Stephen, when he's about to be stoned, kind of gives him a history lesson of, of all the way from and, and through Abraham and, and Israel and all of that. And he says, it's the same God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God. And so that point is being made all along the way, all right? Now, the other thing that you need to understand is that this predates the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, 
All right. And then they go down to Egypt. They spend about 400 years there. Now they're coming back out. And now they're going to become a nation of Israel with the 12 tribes, inherit the land, all that stuff. But this predates Israel. So he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So with that in mind, I want to read the text for this morning. It comes from Genesis in chapter 12. Beginning with verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, and that's before God changes his name to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. You need to pause there for a moment. Why in the world is it that hard? God comes on pretty strong there. If anybody curses you, I will curse. Well, it's because this is God's plan. It's not Abraham's. It was God who chose and called Abraham. It's God's plan. If you reject Abraham, you're rejecting me, is what God is saying. And if you bless Abraham and you understand what God is trying to do, then I will bless you. So it's not about Abraham so much as it is about Abraham's God. And then he says, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I'm blessing you so that you can bless others. It predates Israel. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That's what he's saying. And, and folks, realize this, that if you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ already, you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, God blesses you, but he wants to bless you in particular so you can be a blessing to others. It wasn't so Abraham could keep it all to himself. He doesn't save you so you can just feel good about God. He saves you. He helps to reform you. He helps you to be like he is so that others around you will be blessed, so they will find God also. That's the idea. And so from Abraham, we're going to see God calls Abraham. God's also calling you and me to finish out the scriptures. So Abram went as the Lord had said to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now, that doesn't mean a thing to you, but what it means to me, this is history, folks. This isn't a legend. This isn't a story somebody made up. There is a real people. There is a real land. There was this tree at, you know about it. And what God is doing is he's saying, I work through you. I work through people. I work through history. This is real stuff. And then the ending, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abraham, to me, represents the call of God. Abraham left a country 
He left a people. He left his family to go to a place he didn't know where he's going. You ever felt like that? Man, I don't know where this is heading, but I'm trusting God for it. I, I don't know what's and God got in store for this church, but God's still in charge. I don't know what God's got in store for me and my job and my marriage and my kids, but I want God to lead me through this because he's got good stuff. And no matter what happens in your life, realize that Jesus is always better. <laughs> he is. It isn't like people in the world don't enjoy good stuff. It's just that with Jesus, it's always better. Why? Because he leads us. He calls us. Now, I want you to understand calling. Calling is a very, it's one of those kind of things, okay? How does God call you? Do you hear the voice of God? Do you do this? Do you do that? And I'm saying it's different things for different people. Let me just start there, okay? But I kind of categorized it in two different ways. One is a general calling from God, and the other one becomes much more specific and individual. The general call of God. He lets us know by the universe that there is an order to things, and there is something that's orchestrated and beautiful, and we look up and we're going, wow. Romans 1 says, mankind is without excuse because God has placed this in front of us so that we can know him. It's a general revelation, all right? And so then we look at life, and there are all kinds of things. The Bible says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. You want to live. You want to live forever. We just don't want to live like this with pain and suffering and all this stuff. But we have that want to. That's a general kind of a thing that God has placed in all of mankind. And so I think that those kind of things let us know that there's a general call of God. Finish this for me. God so loved the world. I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is not about Israel. It's not just about you and me as a church. It's so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's a bigger thing. God so loved the world. There's another scripture that says that God is willing that none should perish. God doesn't want anybody to be without him. But that all should come to repentance. He wants us. He cares for us. And so there's that general kind of a call from God. But I believe that God also has a specific individual call for each one of us in our lives. I believe that. You see, the Holy Spirit is what is representative of God who is still moving and working in the world around us. And I don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. I've lived for 67 years. I have a master's degree in the New Testament. I have lived life with God for a lot, but I still know about this much about God's Holy Spirit. What I can tell you are a few different scriptures that come to mind. Number one, he is the one who convicts us of sin, not somebody else. Don't get mad at somebody else. Deal with God. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, lets us know we need to change. 
And we have no right to stand in front of a holy God on our own. We're not worth it. We're not holy. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. It also says that he draws us to the Father. His work in this world is to help bring us to the Father in a good and right relationship. That's why he made us. It's to be in relationship with him. And so the Holy Spirit draws us to be in right relationship. But he does that, he says, by pointing to Jesus. And so it's the Holy Spirit's job to lift up Jesus Christ because it's through him that we know of the love of God. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to go to the cross. He's willing to pave the way. And all we have to do is say, yes, thank you. And that's, that's him. There's an individual call in your life to be saved. There's also an individual calling of God in your life, I think, very much like Abraham received. And more so than family, more so than church, more so than nation, more so than anything else in your life, God wants to lead your life. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask him. He'll give generously to everybody without finding fault. And it'll give, he wants us to ask. He wants us to know. And then he wants us to follow because he knows best. He does. I believe that there's an individual call. No man is going to be stand in the front of God in the day of judgment and say, but, but I didn't, but I don't believe so. God is calling each one of us to certain things. Let me share with you one thing in my life that I just found this out very, very early in life. 22 years of age, okay? That was a couple of years ago, but I still remember it. 22 years of age. I went to Bible college for four years not to be a preacher. Uh, that was about the last thing on my mind, seriously, because I hated getting in front of people. But... I went to Bible college so that I could have answers for my faith. And no matter what I did in an occupation, I wanted to be able to answer. What do you think about this? Well, I wanted to have an answer for the reason that was in me, okay? That's why I went to Bible college. Now, after I graduated, I took a youth ministry in North Carolina because although I hated to get in front of people, I could play ball. And I could play with kids, and I could be a youth minister. And that's what I did until the senior minister messed up, divorced, messed up the whole church. I left there, came back to Cincinnati. My life was then being, okay, went straight from high school into Bible college. Who are you really? What's God going to do in your life now? Tried to get a job in Cincinnati. Couldn't find a job in Cincinnati. So I laid this out before God, and I, you might have done this, you might do this. I am not suggesting you do this, okay? I'm just telling you what I did. At 22, I said, okay, God can't find a job here. You're either going to have to open up a job, and I'm going to stay here and see what you got for me, or Cincinnati Enquirer had an advertisement and said that if you have a four-year college degree, and you go through eight weeks of basic training, you can come out a second lieutenant, drawing $30-some-thousand-dollars a year. And I thought, you know what? That doesn't look too bad. 
So I went down to the recruiter's station. It had to be the Marines for me. I told you before, I'm the second of six boys. If you can do it, I can take you. That was my attitude, all right? So it had to be Marines. So I went down and I talked with the recruiter and physical, I checked out. This stuff came back. I hadn't had a math course for four years in Bible college. But in high school, I had trig, calc, psychology, analytical, G. That was my world. I, I enjoyed that stuff. He comes back and he says, your math skills are off the charts. This is what we'd like to do. Eight weeks in Quantico. Then when you get out of there, you're second lieutenant. We want to send you down to Pensacola to fly jets for us. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what God's got for me. And I told him that. I said, if God opens up a job for me before Friday, I'm going to stay here and see what he's got. But if not, on Friday, I will sign. And I'll guess what God did. Guess when he did it. Don't you hate that? Thursday. <laughs> before Friday. I got a job. I got a phone call. I stayed there and figured out, okay. You know, the deal was for me, I didn't care. Occupationally, I could care less. My life, I wanted to honor him no matter what. That's where I lived at 22. And so I just laid it open. I said, okay, God, you lead me. I started working, began preaching on weekends, and then went to ministry full time. Totally different. But I laid it open, and I think that's what Abraham did, and I think that's what God wants you to do, to just say, look, my life is yours. I trust you that much. You're not the God of yesterday. You're the God of today. Your Holy Spirit is alive and active and wants my best to happen. And that's only going to happen if I can hear you call, and I will trust you even when I don't know where I'm going. And that's what's happened in my life a couple different times. My wife, pregnant with our first child, and I said, God, um, what now? And I knew inside, he's saying, this ministry is done. What I called you to do is finished. And so I resigned. My wife's going, you did what? I did that when we had three little kids. And I just knew that what God had called me to do in that church had been done. I don't know where he's calling us, but I am done with what God brought me here to do. How do you know? I, I just know. You know, in a very Greek way, you'll, you'll be impressed, I hope, okay? You don't do four years of Greek without impressing somebody sometime. You've got to do that. There are two words for the word no and Greek. One is gnosko, and it means I know it because I can add it up, and empirically here it is. That's the word gnosko, knowledge. There's another word for the word know, and it's the word oida. And it just means I know because I know because I know. Can't prove it. Can't add it up. But I know it in here. And I told my wife, I said, I, I don't know, it sounds crazy, but God's going to lead us. And he did. And the next ministry was up around the Alliance area for 10 years and then back down to Sunbury is where we came. And for 20 years there. 
But I always want my life to be that open before God. Do you? Have you ever trusted him and said, here it is, God. Just use me. Just use me. One life is all we get. Hebrews says, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. One life is all you get. You ought to use it on behalf of the creator. God will bless you so you can be a blessing to others. That's the call of God. Does that make sense? I can't tell you how that happens in the voice and all that kind of stuff. I, but I can tell you that when you surrender completely and you just say, here I am, he'll lead you. I can promise you that. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your grace and for your love. I, I thank you that you are a God of yesterday, but not just yesterday. You're the God who knows the future. And you're the God who wants to help us in the present. I thank you that you are the I am. And Father, I just pray that each one of us this morning, the reason why we're here is because we want to get to know you better. We want 2020 to be filled with things that you want in our lives. So Father, help us to be that, to do that, and we will be blessed. Pray in Jesus' name. Hey, before I, I take off here, just one thing that I started doing this week. I don't know how long it'll stay, but just this week. I, uh, I started rolling out of bed. It's easier to do. Started rolling out of bed. First thing I wake up, I rolled, but I just roll right to my knees. And I've just started saying something this simple. Okay, Lord, it's a brand new day. Help me to give you my best. Because you deserve it. That's all I'm doing. That's simple. Brand new day. Help me to give you my best. Because you deserve it. I don't know about you, but every relationship needs something fresh to keep the relationship going. It's the same with God. And so that's kind of my new thing. It might last for all of January. I don't know how long, it's, but it's my new thing. Look for something new that'll just help freshen up your relationship with Christ. Okay? All right. Thanks for being here.